Good evening. Welcome back to Truth Lies Shenanigans, the live show, season two, episode four. I go by the name Neo Nix. It's January 13th, 2020 at 2021, and I'll be your MC for the shenanigans today. It's a new year. For today's show, I'm asking the question, how in the world did rioters make it into what was supposed to be one of the most secure places on the planet? Johnny Storm is wondering if those over-friendly Capitol Police deserve punishment. Lizzie Enders questions if Tiger Woods was prepared to handle failure in the wake of his new documentary. And Rob B. Rock talks about NFL coach Bill Belichick turning down one of the most sacred American honors, the Medal of Freedom, from Donald Trump. Before we get into it, let me introduce you to our wonderful host, our professor, writer, editor, journalist out of Washington, D.C., Liz E. Enders. What's up, what's up, everyone? Happy hump day. Um, just like, well, a little bit different. A week ago, Wednesday, we were trying to figure out what we were going to do about the riots and the insurrection and the storming of the Capitol. Today, we're going to be talking about impeachment in the wake of the insurrection, the riots, and the storming of the Capitol. So it's just been a lot. It's, the, it's nonstop chaos in Washington, D.C., and I'm right here in the middle of it. Yep, yep you are. Our rock star mm -hmm. with the band Fallen Machine coming to you from Sudbury, Ontario, Robbie Rock. What's up, everyone? Happy hump day. Happy Wednesday. Good day. I had a very productive day today, a very good day, and I'll, I'll be able to share about that later on. But uh, yeah, yeah, today's good, man. It's good to be here tonight. Nice. And streaming from Atlanta, Georgia, our model, actor, and college student, Gian Storm. Hey everybody, um, today, like Rob said, it was a very good day for me as well. It was very productive, and I got some rest, so I feel really good. I feel good. To be here. <laughs> rest is important <laughs> these days. All right. So right, before the show, right before the show, Gianni, I did something for you very quickly. So Gianni asked me before the show if I had ever had a white Russian. So I decided yeah. to make one. <laughs> if you ever had a what? If you had a, ever had a white <laughs> The drink. Oh, oh, the drink, a white Russian. Oh, right. drink. I just want to make sure yeah, I... Delicious. I made one for you, so here's to Gianni. So for, for everyone who doesn't know, Lizzie Enders has had a white Russian. Apparently, Gianni Storm has, too. <laughs> All right. So we've got some breaking news, guys. So Donald Trump is officially the only is only the third president in history to be impeached, and now he's the first ever to be impeached twice and charged with crimes by Congress, because he was also specifically charged with incitement of insurrection for the attack on the U.S. Capitol on January 6th. Uh, with the vote held today, 10 Republicans sided with Democrats to impeach the president by a 232 to 197 vote. Donald Trump will now face a trial in the U.S. Senate where, if convicted, he could face being barred from ever holding office again. Unfortunately, this will not happen before he leaves office on January 20th because the Senate will not reconvene in time. But there is significant support in the Senate to hold Trump accountable, with as many as 20 senators saying they are considering a vote to convict. So, guys, 
What are your thoughts on this historic moment with Donald Trump being impeached twice? I'll start with uh, Lizzie Ender. Um, so on the one hand, I think it's a good thing because it holds him accountable once again. And it's also a shot to his ego and another moment of embarrassment. Um, but in watching the impeachment hearings today, it also made me feel like it was almost a waste of time. It became obvious that, one, there still are a lot of Republican. These were, weren't senators today. These were congressmen. These were members of the House representatives. Um, but it's obvious that there are a lot of Republicans who are still on the Trump train, who are still willing to put party before the American people, who still are buying in this idea of Trumpism. And they were so angry in the fact that people were even, they were even there to consider a second impeachment. They made it very clear that not only were they against this impeachment, but they would be talking to their fellow Republican senators in the, um, in the House, in the Senate, to not convict him, to not vote yes for removal of office and or um, um, saying that he would not be able to run for office for um, a future term. So I, I think that this was all, while it was good on the surface, um, I think in the long run, for me, it was kind of a waste of time. Um, and, and when I say waste of time, I'm talking about my time in that I sat there and watched, watched it. I did watch um, it. I watched the whole thing. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I think it just... People need to be clear on what the procedure is and that this is just the first step. Um, unfortunately, we don't get to see Trump have like a, a meltdown or a I, I want to see the meltdown. I would love to see the meltdown. He's been banned from social media, but I think his kids have been having their meltdowns on social media today. Um in, in his favor. So for, for me, it just it's it's not gonna get us where we think we need to go. With sure. this man. Sure. Sure. All right, Robbie Rock. Uh, the little bit that I got to see today, um, I have to echo what uh, Liz was saying. Just a lot of that uh, that rhetoric, uh, and that's a party before the people, and it's shameful because at the end of the day, they have an obligation to serve all of the American people, despite what their party affiliation is. So yeah, to, to hear a lot of that Trumpism still going on, I'm happy that. It's gone down the way that it has and because he needs to be held to account for everything he's been doing. He essentially has been lighting them up for months, to, and then he just got them centralized in one place and just pointed them in the right direction. Up the street here, guys, up Pennsylvania. Yep. Eee, yikes. So, yeah, I really hope that, um, the ch that he will be convicted because the thought of this man holding office again on U.S. soil is terrifying because... We, we do enjoy having you as neighbors, just not when there's something crazy running the house. Reminder that Robbie Rock is from Canada. All right, Gianni, <laughs> what are your thoughts? Um, I do feel like it is a waste of time because given the, the time frame, but I do feel like it holds him accountable for his actions. But at the same time, I know I have a lot of ideas, but it's, it's because at the same time, it's like, why did it take this? for it to be a second impeachment. Like, there were there were things before that I feel like had other, taken place. Other impeachable offenses, yeah. yeah. Exactly, yeah. other things that, but I also, I also stand on the fact that um, 
this entire presidency is it kind of made people more involved with politics um people that didn't care about politics or anything like that and the reason that's important is because we they're starting to care about like they're waking up in a in a sense or they're seeing society as like okay wait i am a part of society i do have some type of power i think or maybe i don't and this is why so um i think I think his second impeachment was a little bit of a waste of time, but he doesn't need to hold a second um, seat in the office. Like, he doesn't need to come back. So, yeah. uh, to Gianni's point, the, the Donald Trump era did create a lot of um, young people who wanted to get involved in politics. Um, I even have uh, my niece who decided she wanted to go to um, the school for, for political science. Um, you may remember B-Girl, who she was on the show. I remember mm -hmm. B-Girl. Yep. So, I mean, and that was mostly because of Trump. Um, so it, there's no question that it definitely impacted. But, yeah, I, I'm glad he was, he was impeached twice. I hope the Senate does convict him because I don't want to ever see him in office ever again. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm glad they did it. I, I know that there was some talk about whether or not it made any sense considering he's gone in seven days anyway. But I mean, we had to be we had to do something. I mean, we're going to talk more about the insurrection at the Capitol, but um, you know that was a ridiculous moment in history, and he led it. He led that moment. So no question, no question, he needed to be impeached. I'm absolutely happy uh, that he was impeached. So, all right, guys, if you've never been to TLS before, let me tell you a bit about us. What we'll be doing is we'll be sharing our truths and opinions with you, and calling out those lies and pointing out the ridiculous shenanigans going on. And we try to have some fun with shenanigans of our own. Our show does stream live just about everywhere, YouTube, Facebook, Periscope, Twitter. And this season, we're streaming live on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitch TV. Just search at TLS Live Show across all those platforms. And then again, make sure you subscribe to our audio replay of the podcast on iTunes, Google, Alexa, Pandora. You'll find us wherever you watch or listen to podcasts as well. All right, let's jump into it, guys. Our hot topic. Lies, shenanigans. All right, and today we're actually going to start with myself. All right. Um, but let's, yeah, so let me quickly explain what hot topics is all about. Real simple, each of our hosts brings a hot topic that caught their attention. We'll ask, is this a truth, lie, shenanigans? Our panel will talk about it for a bit until time is up, and then you'll see that. Let us know time is done, and we'll go on with our audience questions and comments. So make sure you are talking to us in all our threads. All right, so is this a truth lie shenanigans? Definitely some shenanigans going on somewhere. We talked about this last week as it was happening. Um, but now it's been a week. We've had some time to digest it. We've got some more information. So I wanted to revisit it, because last week we had a, a, um, a show where we just talked about what was happening that day, because it all happened, you know, right before our show came on, on live. Um, so looking at the events last week, uh, well, let me just show you this. Let me show you this video so you can kind of 
anyone who didn't see what happened last week, they can get an idea of, of what went on. Because if Mike Pence does the right thing, we win the election. Are there any objections to counting the certificate of vote of the state of Arizona? I, Paul Gosar, object to the uh, counting of the electoral ballots from Arizona. We will never give up. We will never concede. Our country has had enough. We will not take it anymore. This election were overturned by mere allegations from the losing side. Our democracy would enter a death spiral. The legitimacy of this and subsequent elections. Chair declares the host in recess. The scenes of chaos at the Capitol must end now. Go home. We love you. You're very special. I know how you feel. Oh. I can't stand that guy. Oh, my God. Anyway, so first thing I thought was, where was the intelligence on this? Where was the quick reaction force? Where were the automatic rifles and guns? Where were the helmets and batons? Where were the secure fences? All the things we saw with Black Lives Matter movement, which I want to point out was littered with these exact same counter-protests. So the Black Lives Movement was not just, uh, the, the, insurrect, the things going on at the Black Lives Matter Movement was not just the Black Lives Matter people, it was these same protesters. So it begs the question, who was actually causing the problems during the peaceful protest? Now, I've lived in and around Washington, D.C. most of my life, and let me tell you, you have no idea exactly how many military and police forces there are just within a two-mile radius of the Capitol. You have the Capitol Police, the U.S. Park Police, the D.C. Police Force, the Federal Protective Service, FBI, Tobacco and Firearms, CIA, NSA, Homeland Security, and this doesn't include the D.C. National Guard, Marine Barracks, Navy Yard, Fort McNair, all within walking distance. And let's throw in nearby Virginia and Maryland police forces, right? Now, now that we have more information, you know, according to several reports, the FBI did say they gave advance warning to both the Capitol Police and the D.C. Police um, that an insurrection was planned. The Capitol Police evidently twice turned down offers of reinforcement, twice. D.C. Mayor Muriel Bowser requested the National Guard and was told that the Capitol Police had to make that request which they eventually did, but this was after the attack started. Even reportedly, I mean, Representative Steny Hoyer of Maryland, Democrat, called his own governor begging for him to send help. But of course, without being granted jurisdictional rights, he couldn't do that until he finally got a call and told them, quote, we've been waiting now, we're still waiting for the investigations, but guys, here's my question. What do you think happened? And I'm open to all your conspiracy theories. Where were the failures? How in the world did this happen? And what is supposed to be, how did this happen? And what is supposed to be one of the most secure places on the planet? I'll start with Robbie Rock. I mean, really, it's a... I, I, I really don't know what the what the breakdown was, but this is a huge communication breakdown. This is this is your worst case scenario. How does it fall apart? Well, this is how it falls apart. So I really don't understand why the Capitol Police would have declined any reinforcements 
for such an event. Especially that that makes no sense whatsoever. <laughs> whatsoever. And there's something that's broken in the chain of communication if the request for the National Guard needs to come from the Capitol Police while they're under siege. I, I mean, everyone could see what was going on. So why didn't the other federal agencies? <laughs> yeah, like I, I know it's a jurisdiction thing, but when it's falling apart, that you're all federal law enforcement. You work together for the common good, for the protection of the people. It's uh, I, yeah, I, it's it's a massive communication breakdown, or there was something happening behind the scenes this that were that orchestrated this situation. Because when you say behind the scenes, I, what are you talking about? Uh, <laughs> I mean. It, Stuff can get railroaded on the back end uh, if requests are being denied, or if it's, uh, you know, if it's a bureaucratic thing, if it's a procedural thing. If the request needs to come from a certain individual, but everybody else can see that it's falling apart. You thought it was you? Yes, so, I'm looking for did I hit the wrong button? Like, do I have the power? <laughs> you do have the power. You have the power. <laughs> we, we were tired of listening to you, Robbie. We were just tired of listening to you. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I didn't think I would say it. I didn't think that I, that I said anything so compelling that I closed the show. <laughs> it's like Facebook. Facebook kind of, uh, you know, bans you and stuff. So, <laughs> no, go ahead. Sorry, Robbie. No, really. I, this is what I, I was I trying really to don't do. Have much to add. Yeah, I really don't have much to add on it because it's. Uh, it's a complete shit show. Like it completely fell apart, and unfortunately, there were casualties. It, so, I'm looking forward to the investigations to see what's going to come out come out from these inquiries. What, who is at fault, or is it just going to be another all guy who's who's just going to take it for the team? Real quick, I want to just get some, some of these comments online. Uh, Evan Daxon says it's the Russians. <laughs> uh, we got uh, Mike Winner says the problem is not communication; it was the man at the top. Jacqueline Rob says some of us are suspicious when IQ's forty-five got rid of folks in the Defense Department and replaced them with his own people. It's a very good point. Yeah. Jack Storm, what are your thoughts? What do you think happened? What were the failures? I do feel like there is a level of corruption, and the reason I say that is because, and I don't like to come across as like, and I'm not even that young, but People think that like younger generation is like all about conspiracy theories and we don't trust the government for whatever like vendetta we have against them and authority. No, it's not that. It's just we have a really good BS detector. And it's like, how is it so I just remember I just know that if there is an attack on the US Capitol or even close to the president or or the leaders of this country. I just know that automatically that would mean some type of huge military, like, wow, like some kind of like base and some type of defense. So it's like yeah. the fact that it did unravel the way it did. And um, we're going to talk later about the Capitol Police and all of that. But just the, the players that played a part in it um, almost seemed like even if they weren't aware that it was going to happen, they almost seemed like it wasn't a problem. And I think there's a reason that like there's some level of corruption i like the comment before about um that somebody just made about oh, it just escapes me i'm sorry but yeah all in all i just feel like it is a level of corruption it could be on 
from Trump's party because he he had all the um, he had hired new people and they were all in cahoots with him. So maybe it was that, or everybody's in on it. Like everybody kind of has some intel on it. Yeah. I just want to point out a comment online from Jacqueline Robinson in response to Kevin Thaxton's just the Russian. Uh, Jacqueline Robinson said, uh, Kevin Thaxton, the white Russians, perhaps, since you know, that <laughs> Gianni Storm and Lizzie, you know, are enjoying white Russian. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, okay, so my thoughts, I thought the failures were, were crazy, obviously, based upon my, oh, I'm sorry, Lizzie. I didn't give you a thought. Go ahead and give your thought. I want to hear your thoughts. Your thoughts are valuable. Um, I think it should be, we should remind people, remind the audience that this is not only corruption, but also um, evidence of collusion as well. Be advised that before Wednesday, before January 6th, um, Muriel Bowser, the mayor of Washington, D.C., requested that the National Guard be present to assist the Capitol Police in on on. January 6th, as these certification hearings were going on, as these protests were taking place, and the Pentagon, the Pentagon denied her. The Pentagon said, no, we don't think it's needed. We will have them on standby, but only as a last resort. And um, uh, that documentation from the Pentagon was published in the paper, was in the Washington Post. So this was something that, again, all of the heads up was given to the people that should have been, you know, um, doing something about this. But they decided to play politics with the lives of not only the people in the Capitol, but also with Washingtonians, with Americans. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I say there was a bit of collusion going on. And now that we get into um, more of the investigations of where the breakdown took place, not only do we see that no one was taking the, um, the, the, mayor's request for assistance seriously. No one was taking the Capitol Police's request for assistance seriously. But they also had a lot of people on the inside in terms of law enforcement who were kind of aiding and abetting this situation, not just with the Capitol Police. But if you start to look at a lot of these people who are being arrested for being at the insurrection, for storming the Capitol, it's law enforcement from mm -hmm. across the country. It's military people from across the country. Ashley Babbitt, who was shot and killed, is a former vet. I mean, she's a former military person. So there are a lot of people that were involved in this that had um, sinister plans going on, even though they, they decided, they said that in the face of Americans, that they're patriots, that they are for their country, they believe in our constitution, they believe in our government, but then they turn their back on the government, especially when we're asking and crying out for help. And I, for, I would say all day Wednesday, as this was transpiring, as this was taking place, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I'm back and forth with people. Hush up, time's up, person. I'm back and forth with people who are trying to make excuses for the Capitol Police, a certain person on my timeline, I might add, trying to make excuses for the Capitol Police saying that, oh, they were, a lot of people were out sick, 
or they didn't have enough people in place. I'm like, but there's a reason for that. This is the not, not the first time we have had protests in Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. It's never been addressed this way, not with this nonchalant attitude, mm-hmm. not with Capitol Police standing, opening the door for folks to come in. And not to mention the intelligence beforehand. If there's ever been a, a hint of, in, of intelligence, even if it were one person potentially attacking the Capitol, one person, they would have had more police force than they had. But it, it's not like it yeah. was even you know, spy type of intelligence. Like, this had been talked about for Online. Online, yeah. Publicly. To the point where, again, the mayor of D.C. sent out a memo to the city asking Washingtonians to stay home. Because she knew something was going to happen. She just sent out something again today asking Washingtonians to stay home. Thank you for that, Rob. Asking Washingtonians to stay home for the inauguration next Wednesday. So it's not like we know this was going on. Are you going to stay home, Lizzie? You staying home? There was a. What do you think? Honestly, actually, they may. The government might need me out there because I might be the only one (laughs) who could protect them. So maybe if they pay me enough, maybe you know, I'll get out there. Yeah, I mean, just quickly, so I could just, I mean, I agree with all of what you guys are saying, and I, I think it could be, I mean, I think the Defense Department has something to do with it, but um, something happened with the Capitol Police. I don't know what, but something happened with the Capitol Police, whether it was somebody called somebody up, you know, somebody had some dirt on somebody, I don't know what it was, but something happened where the Capitol Police, because I've never seen the Capitol Police do that. I, I, as a matter of fact, Capitol Police are one of the top-notch police forces in the city, not in the country. Absolutely, because they are guarding the government. They are guarding the United States government. I mean, I could never, being being a resident of D.C. for the years that I was, the D.C. area for the years, I would never have expected this from the Capitol Police because they are, like I said, you when you think Capitol Police, you think you do not mess with those people right there. And... and, and it's really scary to think about because Wednesday we still really didn't have all of the footage about what was really going on on the north side, on the west side, what was going on inside of the Capitol, what was going on in people's cars where they found Molotov cocktails and pipe bombs and guns that were blocks away from the Capitol. So we didn't really get all of that information on Wednesday. Yeah. But subsequent to that, as things have started to come out in the news, over the internet, if you think about what the potential of what could have happened to the sitting vice president, to the majority of the U.S. government that was sitting in the Capitol that day. These people had zip ties. They had bombs. There was a noose that was put outside. They were chanting, hang Mike Pence. It was a huge noose structure as well, by the way. This is serious And for the Republicans to stand there today in Congress and be so nonchalant and say, no, it wasn't as bad as everyone is depicting it to be. No, the president really didn't incite anything. That is bullshit. And they need to be ashamed of themselves. Shame on you. Because it could have been you too. Like you think these Yahoos knew the difference between Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley? They would have killed all of you. All of you. And the fact that you 
are not more incensed about that is outrageous. Yep. Outrageous. Let me quickly get to these comments online. All right. So Capitol Police, uh, this is Kevin Daxton. Capitol Police failed and lost a life. Uh, Jacqueline Robinson, every last one of them should be prosecuted and stripped of their position. Um, I got Mike Winner. The problem, oh, we said that, was the man at the top. Um, Rupka says uh, the intelligence was there. The FBI briefed about this domestic terrorism two days before, and Capitol Chief asked five times for the incident for National Guard or an inside job. Yeah, I mean, I'm in agreement with all of you. Inside job. I, I think something, something went wrong. I, I hope that we find out in the investigations what it is, but I have no doubt that it came from the top, from 45, where um, he, somebody um, did something to prevent help because that help didn't come for hours yeah. hours i've seen better response for like a one shooter at the navy yard i mean hours crazy all right let's get on to our next hot topic great, great conversation guys truth lies shenanigans all right gianni storm gianni storm is this a truth lie or is this shenanigans this is a truth, a hard fact. So two U.S. Um, Capitol Police officers have been arrested. Um, oh, I'm sorry, were suspended, and at least two more are under investigation for their actions during last week's attack on the Capitol. So federal agents will look at whether the um, current and former law enforcement officers play a role in the riot. As we talked about in like the previous hot topic, about how the officers were acting. So I know Liz mentioned that one of the officers had actually opened like a barricade to the to the lawn and there were others taking selfies. There were others that were kind of like talking to the rioters. Nice. Yeah, being nice to them. Yeah, in that picture. Um, so we saw them talk about a viral video on how there were off oh yeah, the, the barricade video. So I looked in a, onto another article where it, where it was talking about the guy that actually shot the video for that um, that we saw that went viral. He says that the police officers actually didn't just open the barricade. He said that the police officers were outnumbered and that um, one of the Trump rioters had put up a fist ahead of time. And there was just like, I don't know, they, they, they were just... They felt threatened, and so that's why they kind of like opened it. So that's up to debate. I don't know, but um, basically, the Capitol Police officers that have been in question in the media about their role in the riot, um, do you believe they would have investigated these officers if it weren't for public outcry or like the the us seeing it, us seeing the videos, or public shaming of the Capitol officers' actions on that day? Let's start with Lizzie. I think she's ready to start. Um, I think because one of their fellow officers died, I do think that there would have been some type of investigation. Um, if not for that, they may have tried to gloss over it or there may have been a cover-up in some way. But that's another thing. People need to realize, you know, we are, this is 2021. Everything, there's a camera everywhere. We don't call it CCTV. Here, really, in the United States, that's more, of a European, that's more of a European term. Or do they call it CCTV in Canada? I've heard it referred to CCTV. 
I'm familiar with the term, but it's it's a dying term because everybody got one of these. Yeah, it's not, it's not a term that everyone uses here, that everyone knows here. Like if you go to London, you say CCTV, everyone knows what you're talking about. Here, yeah. like Rob said, it's a camera phone. So I think um, people need to realize that Big Brother is always watching, whether you know it or not, whether you look up in the sky and there's a camera there or whether I'm standing behind you like, I got you, bruh, I got you. But I think I think there would have been a little bit of both. I think, what you know, like I said, because the officer was killed, I do think that there would have been some type of impetus to do an investigation to figure out what happened to him because he was beaten to death with a fire extinguisher. But then on the flip side, I do think that there would have been some efforts to cover up some stuff, if you will. So I say a little bit of both, um, which again is, is sad. It is sad that it's, it's really come to this. Um, but I, 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 I don't know, like I, I, the more I'm seeing online about the threats, because the threats have not stopped about potential for violence for next Wednesday. Um, thankfully, you know, Wednesday is a day off for most people. So people do have the opportunity to stay home. Everyone stay home. Do not go and be a part of that foolishness. Um, but I'm still a little bit nervous um, because <laughs> never do think that what happened last Wednesday would have happened. Like I thought that there were going to be clashes outside. Like, did I think that, you know, there were going to be some fisticuffs outside? Absolutely. I did not think that there was going to be the storming of the Capitol building. Like, that just blew my mind. And if anyone, for those of you who are watching who are Facebook friends with me, if you look at my timeline from last Wednesday, I am typing, there is not a police officer in sight. Yep. What is happening? What is happening? Um and so I think, Johnny, to, to answer your question, I again, it's a little bit of both. I think fortunately for us, we have the technology now to document things as they happen in real time as evidence. Um, so we can put people on blast. So we can expose these criminals. So if you are my family member and I see you on TV, I can call the police and turn you in. Um, mm -hmm. So I, it, it's a good thing, but it's something to think about because 10 years ago, I don't think that, you know, we would have all of this public outcry because there would be no evidence. Right, let's get Robbie no Rock in here. Robbie? Yeah. I'm because there were casualties on both sides of the conflict, yeah, I, I do believe that there would have been an investigation. Um, and like Liz was saying, this 10 years ago, I don't know that we would have had, all, we definitely wouldn't have had all of the, the, um, the video to, to go back to. So we would have been relying on the surveillance systems from the Capitol and they wouldn't be releasing this footage. They wouldn't be required to release any of this footage. So under an internal review, they may look at an officer who's taking the selfies or he's not taking the selfies. He's posing for somebody else's selfie. Um, and that, is, it, it, I mean, that's, that's gross misconduct. It, it really, that's completely inappropriate of that officer. If we wouldn't have had that footage, if it would have been on a closed circuit system that's internal to Capitol Hill, then I'm sure an internal reviewer may say, hey, you know what? This is under the rug. We, 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 these are good cops. Sweep this under the rug. But also, you have to stop it. What I had to really stop and think about uh, when Liz was saying, like, these people come from all walks of life. Uh, the mob that, that descended upon D.C. came from all walks of life. You had 
former military, you had fire services, law enforcement. So who's to say how many law enforcement members within D.C. would be complicit with these actions to just kind of go, hey, you know what? Hey, yeah, give me the MAGA hat. Oh, yeah, someone knocked off my hat and gave me the MAGA. Okay. But if I, I could see someone having a conflict of conscience and saying, you know what, the mob's here. I'm on board. Let's go, guys. Let's I, will, go. I will defend the MPD, the, the Metropolitan Police Department, because I don't believe any of those people would have been um, involved in some type of conspiracy like that. And I think if it were the Capitol Police, it would have been, um, it definitely would have been the higher ups. Um, I really, I really am, would be surprised if, I don't know, I just don't feel like some of those individuals um, in the Capitol Police Department were trying to be, I don't know. I think they were overwhelmed and didn't know what to do. That's, that's what I truly believe, that they were overwhelmed. I mean, I want to play this video real quick. I mean, this is just a clip of we were showing earlier, but of this one guy who's been deemed a hero. He was leading people away from the chambers. Um, you know, so people, you know, some of them were letting people through to keep them from, you know, doing worse damage or, or um, causing more issues or, I don't know, sometimes you have to let people in to avoid, let's take him, let's say, okay, let's take this guy for example. So what he did is he led them down uh, um, an open area where more police officers were, as opposed to, if you look at this room here, there was a room to the left, a uh, hallway to the left where there were actual uh, representatives and people of Congress who were actually um, held up there. So he was leading them away from those rooms. And, and sometimes you got to do some of those things. You got to let them in to keep them from, um, from going to the places they shouldn't have, be. That's completely different than opening the door. Like they were already inside. <laughs> and if you pay attention- I agree with opening the door. If you pay attention, especially to what was going on with the conflict and the confrontations outside, and this is another example of how the Capitol Police were exposed, a lot of them were not armed. A lot of them, some of them were plain clothes. That's why you see them spraying people with mace. That's why you see them engaging people with their fists, with their hands, because they didn't even have guns on them. Yeah. And so... That goes back, like you said, to the planning, to the conspiracy part of it. Like, they didn't even have riot gear on. That was not the case back over no the No backup, no nothing. There was no strategy whatsoever. And so, and so yes, yeah, so that's why, you know, there's this idea that they... I really think some of them were over. The individuals were overwhelmed, though. They were overwhelmed because they yeah. did not have the capacity to protect themselves. I think they were overwhelmed and they made bad decisions. But if you look at when Ashley um, Babbitt was shot, if the, the officer won, he only fired one shot. She fell and everyone dispersed. So imagine then... If, if they had they, actually shot people. Yeah. Exactly. If they're at the door, multiple officers at the door, they fire warning shots or they start shooting people as they come through the door, which would be within their right to do so. It would have been a complete. It would have been a completely different story. I think so too, actually. When she went, when you start seeing people die. You don't want to be the one dying. And one right. of them, and, and those guys that were at, at at the place.
place where Ashley was, they weren't armed. The majority of them were not armed. So when she went down, the look on old boy's face, he was like, oh, shit. And people started to run because they knew, okay, we weren't expecting to get shot. So it it was a lot, like you said, a lot of failures on all fronts. Ajiana, I'll give you 30 seconds to, if you have some comments real quick, and then uh, I'll get to this online. Yeah, so um, just tying this back to the whole conspiracy thing, it is weird that, of course, they're overwhelmed. There's like one person to like maybe 50, 60, whoever, however much. So, of course, they're overwhelmed, but... I don't know, even the cop, he looked out of shape. Like, what? what is going on? Like, <laughs> who hired them? Like, I'm so confused. It seems like Most at the last minute they are the right cop. <laughs> I don't know. Why did you have a little, like, um, he only had, like, I think, a uh, baton and, and, and some pepper spray. That's what I'm saying. Like, they, they were not. Oh, the baton. They were <laughs> I've never seen this. With all the things that the way that. The way that DC handles these events, I've never seen it like this. Never seen it handled like this, which tells me, which tells me that why was this different? You know, you, you have to ask why was this different? Because I'm telling you, like I say, living in and around DC for so many years, uh, we have seen all kind of controlled events, and this was by far the worst I've ever seen. And w- the question is, why is this different? Why? Why? I don't know. That had to engage in, you know, hand combat. Like there was the one video of the cop who he was on the ground being beaten and kicked. No support, nothing. If you look at the the picture behind me, that was a police officer being beaten in the crowd. I mean, and look at his face. I mean, terrifying. It's awful. That's the MPD, it's Metropolitan Police Department. All right, let's get to these comments online and move on to the next. Uh, let's see. We got uh, Ernest Cooper says he disagrees with me. Uh, the co- he also says the cops were set up for failure. That doesn't mean you take selfies and open the gates to protest. Yeah. Um, uh, Roka says one good shot. Talking about the shot for... Um, uh, yeah, they only shot one time. Perfect shot. They only right? shot one time. He was shot in the head, right? So, um, no, she was shot in the chest. You were shot in the chest? Rupka says, yep, getting out of this wicked country as soon as possible. Jacqueline Robinson said, the black officers were livid, livid. They felt that their capital officers and management left them out to fight without backup. And that's exactly what they did. Left them, um, and then uh, Kevin Thaxon asked, so we cussing in 2021? <laughs> Answered, I was cussing in 2020. Why would I change in 2020? <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get on to the next hot topic. We're running low in time. All right. Truth, lies, shenanigans. Robbie Rock, you're talking football, and again, Donald Trump should be fun. Let's uh, let's hear this. This is truth, lies, and shenanigans. Well, this is the truth. This is the truth. Um, yeah, so Donald Trump decided that he was going to award the Presidential Medal of Freedom to New England's Patriots head coach, Bill Belichick. Um, I know that Bill was set to receive it, and after Wednesday, there was a little bit of pressure, and he has opted to decline this great honor from the president. <laughs> um, and yeah, so you've got the quote there. Um but recently, I was offered the opportunity to receive the Presidential Medal of Freedom 
which I was flattered by out of respect for what the honor represents and admiration for prior recipients. Subsequently, the tragic events of last week occurred and the decision has been made not to move forward with the award. So huge props to Bill for that. Um, I know that uh, Trump absolutely loves him. Uh, one, of his, one of the favorite quotes I drummed up on it was uh, from Trump. You know, if I ever had a military battle, I'd call up Belichick and ask and say, what do you, what do you think? What do you think? Give me a couple of ideas. So Belichick's response was, you know, I'm flattered by that, but I'll just stick to coaching football. Which is a reasonable response. <laughs> I'm not leading these boys into battle. No, I'm not doing that. I coach football. <laughs> We're turf warriors. So the question that I have for the panelists is if this is indicative of Trump's legacy, because we're seeing so many people turn their backs and decline him. Um, so, yeah. What's the deal? If this, it, sorry, if um, Bill Belichick's refusal, his declining to receive the, the Medal of Honor is uh, indicative of Trump's legacy. Oh, of his legacy. Um, yes. Yeah, I mean, hopefully. because. <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I can't. Of course, I can't stand Trump. But my thoughts on this Medal of Freedom is, you know, it's, it is a very coveted award because, you know, people like Joe Biden, for example, one uh, got received it from uh, Obama. Uh, but it's a coveted award for America, and I'm not understanding why Bill Belichick deserves it in the first place. No offense to Bill Belichick, great coach. Um, you know. I mean, I like him as a person, but he, he's certainly one of the greatest coaches in NFL history. Um, but the Medal of Freedom just doesn't make sense to me. And, um, you know, I don't know that it made sense to Bill Belichick either. I'm not even sure he would. He, you know, he doesn't really like a lot of accolades in general, so I'm not surprised he didn't take it. Um, but it's still, I mean, the fact that Trump even tried to give it to him is just, uh, it just tells you what kind of person Trump is. He brought back the football. Yeah, that's what he says. I kind of feel a little bit differently. I don't think it really affects um, his legacy at all. I think it just is indicative of Bill Belichick being able to read the room better than everyone else. Because last week before Belichick, Belichick was supposed to receive the award tomorrow, actually. Um, mm -hmm. Last week, the day, last Thursday, the day after the riots and insurrection, um, President Trump gave the award to two golfers, Annika Sorostan and Gary Player. And they accepted. They went and accepted oh. the award. And they have been shamed as a result. And so I think Bill Belichick is like, you know, I don't need that smoke. Like, for what? I know he, he is one of, you know, he's very close to Donald Trump. Both Bill Belichick and the Patriots owner, Robert Kraft, former Patriots quarterback, um, Tom Brady, all of them are very close to Donald Trump. I love Donald Trump. I just, think, I just think that Bill Belichick is a bit smarter and is more P PC, PR savvy than these two golfers last week who didn't get it in their head. Okay, maybe I shouldn't be doing this the day after President Trump stood outside and said to these rioters, I love you, be safe, 
Like, come on. I guarantee there's still Trump lovers, though. Johnny Storm? Yeah, I think they do still support him. Um, but to answer your question, Rob, I do think it is um, indicative of his legacy because it's, it's like people are turning their backs on him. But I think Belichick did the right thing, like Liz said, and read the room. Um, I know that in the in part of his quote, he mentioned that he had spoken with his team about um, social injustice and human rights and stuff like that, and he kind of had to stand by that, by his actions. So without just saying it, he is a he's a coach. So it's also for the black players and not even yeah black players on his team. I'm not too familiar with the Patriots. My my stepdad's a huge Patriots fan, but um, oh, yeah, because you're from New England. Yeah. Um, so Patriot, I don't, I'm not too familiar with them, but I do know that if you're the leader of a team, you kind of have to go by what you say. So he might still um, secretly support Trump or secretly still be at, um, friends with Trump, but his ability to read the room and do the right thing in the time um, being, I support it. All right. Any other thoughts? No, let me I can go online real quick. All right, so we got uh, no, uh, Oh, yeah, Robbie, what, what are your thoughts? Are no, I was just going to say, yeah, let's go to the comments. Let's see what we got going on here. Okay. Well, what are your thoughts? I still want to hear your thoughts. What were your thoughts? Yeah, it's, uh, I think it is indicative of Trump's legacy um, because, especially at this point in time, it's, uh, he's just become such a despicable person in American history. He solidified that last week. And you're, I, you know what, Liz? I think you, you nailed it, that it's more Belichick's ability to read the room and to just, yeah, you know what? He's not one for accolades to begin with anyway, but to walk away from it. But I honestly, to see the amount of people that are dropping their Trump support, the corporations that are dropping their Trump support, uh, I wish they would have done so much sooner and not given this man a platform for four years, which emboldened his supporters to storm the Capitol last week. But yeah, I, I do think that it's indicative of his legacy, and unfortunately, it's a legacy that his children and his family are going to inherit. These people have seen their futures really <laughs> damn near ruined. They deserve it because they've been complicit. Oh, yeah. like, they've been complicit. They've been, right they've been right up there with him, um, especially those two knucklehead sons of his. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mike Winter says, I'm going to let Lizzie take this one. Alf likes people who like him. And that's true. Alf does like, I mean, he, Alf being uh, Trump, Donald Trump, likes people who like him. That's, that's all he really cares about. It's all about loyalty. There was something that um, yeah. Skinny Hoyer said on the, on, uh, when he was giving his speech. He's like, you know, he, he demands 100% loyalty, but refuses to give that. You know, and, and he was confused why so many Republicans continue to give their loyalty to Trump, knowing they can't get the loyalty back. They'll never get loyalty in return. So um, anyway, um, Gary Winner says he deserves those turning away from his racism, duplicity, and, and hatred. I'm like, well, if he didn't want to go out with Tom, he didn't want to go without Tom Brady. <laughs> he didn't want to take the award. Ernest Cooper says, agree, Liz. Uh, he knew Trump was looking to divert attention. Kevin Brown says, their silence for years made it okay for Trump to do what he does. Um, and Ernest Cooper agreed with Rob B. Uh, yep. All right. 
<laughs> Third. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's move on from that hot topic. Get our topic. All right, Busy Enders, you got Tiger Woods. He has a new documentary you want to discuss. Is this truth, lies, or shenanigans? Um, it's a lot of truth. It's a lot of truth. All right. Um, we're gonna talk about Tiger, 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 Tiger Woods, y'all. So, for those of you that you don't know who have no pulse, um, Tiger Woods is a golfer, the greatest golfer of our lifetime, the goat. Even in my opinion, my estimation, even more so than Jack Nicklaus. Um, Tiger Woods turned pro in 1996 at the age of 20. He won his first PGA. PGA major title, the Masters, the following year at the age of 21. So far, he has 15 Masters tournaments. He has been the number one golfer in the world. He currently is at number one, but he held that title, number one golfer in the world for, I think, a record of 689 weeks. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, he's won a total of wow. 82, has a total of 82 PGA Tour wins, tied for first. So he's huge. Big deal. Um, but we know as great as Tiger has been over the years, there was a fall from grace. So this new HBO documentary called Tiger, it aired the first is two parts. First part aired this Sunday. Second part airs this coming Sunday. Um, goes over and kind of kind of takes us through Tiger's beginning rise to the top of the game and his downfall and then his comeback. Neil, you want to play? When Tiger was 10 months old, I unstrapped him out of his high chair one day and he walked over and hit the ball. There it is. I said, oh my God, I've got something special. I think Earl had the master plan since Tiger started walking. He asked me to ask his dad if he could play some other sports. But Mr. Woods said he had to concentrate on his golf wanted to protect that sweetness of him. It was a quality that I loved about him. I could tell he didn't know what was coming. Tiger was going to be this bridge between all the different races and tribes of humanity. How are you handling all the adulation? I honestly don't feel comfortable with that. Earl taught him the mental toughness to tackle the game of golf. I'm not sure that Tyre was mentally tough enough to handle the pressures of fame. He was at the pinnacle of a sport, but in reality, being Tiger Woods had taken its toll. He said to me, I think I'm going to give up golf and I'm going to get in the Navy SEALs. That adrenaline rush, it becomes like a drug and you're looking for that next hit. For the squeakiest celebrity on earth, that spelled trouble. Here he was in my bed, and he was my tiger. Breaking news that will rock the world of sports. Tiger built himself up to be more than he was. I have made you question who I am and how I have done the things I did. Have you taken any medications? Why don't you go ahead and hop out for me real quick? What has Tiger done to Tiger Woods? The problem with conquering the world is that the world is going to want its revenge. He got clean, he got healthy, and he crawls out of that hole. This is the comeback of all comebacks. Do not underestimate Tiger Woods.
So that was the trailer for the documentary. Again, part one aired this past Sunday. It's on HBO Max if you have a subscription to that. Um, the second part airs on this coming Sunday. The first part deals with Tiger um, from the beginning um, as his dad, you know, kind of groomed him and trained him and coached him on how to be the best, the greatest golfer on the planet. And so my question to the panel deals with um, Earl and how his father, Earl Woods, raised him. So Earl Woods, in the documentary, he says, I know that I was personally selected by God himself to nurture this young man and bring him to the point where he could bring his contribution to humanity, where he could be the greatest golfer in a sea of white golfers ever known. So that was Earl Woods' strategy for Tiger. He wanted to make him successful. He wanted to prepare him for greatness. But my question to the panel is, do you think along the way he prepared him for failure or what failure could mean? Let's start with Rob. It's uh, failure is a part of competition. Um, so unfortunately, if you're a gifted athlete, if you're an apex athlete, you don't experience too much failure, especially if you start shining at a very early age. And just from the trailer, I mean, he started training from the moment he could walk. So there definitely weren't a lot of kids that were competing with him at a regional level. He wasn't facing competition until he got to a national level. But let's be completely honest, because he was weaned. He was created for this. Um, so I don't know that he was mentally prepared for failure because I don't think it's something that he experienced very much. And, and that comes through competition. So he like, yeah, as he just kind of kept chasing it along, I, I think that Earl definitely prepared him to be an athlete. I think that he failed him as far as some of the important life lessons that you need in order to be a solid individual. That being said, if I was really good at something and truckloads of money started showing up at my door at the age of 20, I did not have the emotional maturity to handle that. And I absolutely would have supernova I would have gone out in a brilliant flash. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it, 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 it is unfortunate, though, that these young people are given so much notoriety, so much fame, so much money that I, it, I can absolutely picture why someone so young would lose sight of what's good, what's important. Gianni? Gianni? Um, I do think he failed him as just a black man, like surviving and succeeding as a black man, like an individual. Um, not necessarily he failed him in, in, the, comp in the sports, like in the competition sense. Um, that comes with it, like Rob said, like the fail. Um, he may not have been prepared for that, so it may have hit him, his ego in that sense, so that could have triggered more onto um, what he was already going through. But as a black man, I think that maybe even the father didn't have a sense of what that what that meant. Because I know that, I did a little research, and I know that the father, um, Earl Woods, actually was uh, the first black was it the first black to play black guy black man sorry to play basketball in the big eight conference when he attended Kansas State 
So, um, and he was a part of special forces. So he was a very accomplished man as well. I think that, I think that he never, his father never really had a sense of, uh, I don't want to say humility. It's not necessarily humility. It's just like the regular, maybe black man's life. And so with that, it's like we're maybe only exposed to a certain type of women or only exposed to a certain type of um, temptation. So I think he definitely failed him in that sense. He couldn't really help him there. But, um, yeah, that's my thought. I feel like he did live vicariously through his son a little bit also with the whole grooming at an early age. Um, because that kind of reminds me of like those Hollywood stories like Michael Jackson and like, um, I don't know if Kobe dad, Kobe's dad did that. I'm not sure. But like just grooming them at a super early age and going really hard, which is not a bad thing if you look at it, but um, who are you doing it for? Kind of. Um, so yeah. yeah. And I want to mirror what a lot of what Johnny was saying. So, I mean, as a, as a, I'm not. I'm not sure that he knew how to prepare his child for the fame, the ultimate fame that he received. Um, mm -hmm. So, did he prepare him? Probably not. I mean, all he cared about as his father was making sure he was the best golfer. Um, and there's a lot of fathers like him. You know, like Johnny said, living vicariously through their children, um, and all they really care about is making them great at what they're doing. But as far as and I think Jacqueline Robinson said it great in the comments. She says, I don't think Earl prepared Tiger as a human being with good interpersonal relationship skills. And I totally agree with that. I just think that, I'm not sure Earl had good interpersonal relationship skills. Um, he, he may have, but I, I'm not sure he did. Um, so how can you teach your son those things? They were so, he was so focused. And um, you can see it a lot in... A lot of great players tend to be um, focused and they tend to be very arrogant. Um, and it's all about being the best at whatever they're doing. It's, it's about greatness and it's, it almost becomes like a drug to them, just the accolades and that. And, you know, I, I can imagine that that greatness became like a drug to um, the Tiger. And, and, you know, and he know, there's no way he was prepared, but. To be honest, who, who in the world is prepared for the type of um, career that Tiger Woods had, the type of fame that Tiger Woods had? I mean, it's, nobody's, just, I don't know if anyone's 100% prepared for that. So, Lizzie? So, I, I agree with all of you. I think my um, emphasis and focus when I say failure um, kind of buys into a little what Gianni was saying and also what um, my sister Jacqueline Robinson was saying. He prepared him very well to compete. He prepared him very well, almost too well, if you think about it, to compete. Because, and, and Earl says this in the documentary, he saw Tiger as like a messiah, as like Gandhi, if you will. Not only was he going to be the greatest golfer athlete on the planet, but he was also going to bring all of the races in the world together. It didn't leave you much he time, sorry. He was going to be the kumbaya king. But what he didn't prepare him for, one, was being a human being, for being a responsible man, but also for being or deciding how he was going to be a black man or if he was going to be a black man. 
What's exposed in this video is that early on in Tiger's career, when they first signed that um, iconic deal with Nike and they had the commercial with Nike where you see Tiger walking on the green and he's talking about how um, in some on some golf courses in America, in the world, he still can't play. He's still not allowed to be a member because he's a black man because of the color of his skin. In interviews, he talks about being a black man and how that relates to um, a white sport, an elitist white sport. But then he goes on Oprah and he says he's not a black man. Jeez. And so I don't think I don't think that Earl prepared him. Did you know that Gianni Storm? How to do that, how to do that. And so the black community, initially the black community loved Tiger, mm -hmm. embraced Tiger. Yeah. But I don't think Earl taught Tiger how to love the black community and embrace it back. He had Tiger on this elitist white world path and was like, okay, I'm fine with that. And then also in the documentary, Right, Gumbel brought up a good point in that black, a lot is asked of black athletes that is not asked of athletes of any other hue, any other race, any other culture. They're asked to be responsible. They're asked to be perfect. They're asked to be godlike and not to have any other um, faults coming to the table. Right. Tiger wasn't prepared for that. Right. Tiger thought as long as I'm the greatest... I can do whatever. I can do whatever to the point where I can even mimic my father because they do. This is an this documentary, at least the first part, is a huge indictment of Earl. And it talks about yeah. Earl and all of his mistresses and how he had a whole trailer of where he would take the women and how Tiger walked in on the trailer once. And here we have what, two decades later, who does the exact same thing? Tiger hey, Woods. We learned the behavior. He needs to learn behavior from his father. Absolutely. He, he prepared him to just be what he thought was the greatest athlete on the planet, but not necessarily the greatest man on the planet and didn't understand that the two go hand in hand when you're in the public eye. So that's yeah. how I think he felt. But it's, you know, I love documentaries like these. Um, I'm probably going, I'm glad that I didn't watch the second one before um doing the show tonight because the second one, it gets into the more salacious um, portions of Tiger's um, past with the mistresses and the DUI and the abuse or whatever, and then his comeback. And I have a lot of nasty things to say to the one mistress, I'm not gonna say her name because I don't wanna give her any shine, but who decided that, you know, almost 12 years after the fact that we still know her name and care about her. And so she wants to yeah. tell her story as if, I didn't know her name and I didn't care about her. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> his wife beat his ass. We moved on. Um, but this right. is how I think if you watch the documentary, those are, in the, are the areas in which I think Tiger Woods was failed from his father. His father, you know, had blinders on. He only saw one thing instead of the bigger picture. Right. All right, guys, make sure you watch the documentary. I want to get to these uh, comments. So Kevin Brown says, definition of entitled. Kevin Thaxton points out special forces guys have poor interpersonal skills. And I have to agree with that because I had a grandfather who was a major in the Army, and he had awful interpersonal skills. Uh, Ernest Cooper points out Ablation. Uh Dario Winter said, playing for Stanford helped. 
but he was not there to finish. Jackson Robinson said, side pieces out there not knowing their places. All right. Oh, snap. Ernest Cooper brought up the, the term Kablazian, and that's what Tiger referred to himself in that Oprah yep. um, episode. He's Kablazian, Caucasian, Black Tiger, and Asian. Tiger is multiracial. He is multiracial. His mother is Asian. And His he has father, a right to call himself Kablazian. However, however, Neo, where was Kablazian when he was trying to market himself to the world? Where was that term Kablazian? I mean, where was his where was his acknowledgement of that, that? That speaks to society. That speaks no, to society no. because he could not, he, he couldn't, that, there's no way that, between that, the black people telling him he was black, the white people telling him he's not white, and uh, and the Asians saying, what are you talking about? <laughs> he, he felt he was Kablasian, but nobody else wanted to tell him, let him, let him be. Why not say it first and foremost? Why make money off of, I'm a black guy? Because he had no choice. What choices did he have? That's why society needs to change. He has to change so for society. You know how he was criticized for calling himself Kablasian? But that was after. Yeah, that's true. That was after he made money off of the idea where he said, I'm a black man. But he didn't control that idea. Of course he could. Of course he could. He's, again, watched the documentary. He sat down with Nike with the PR people okay. and mapped out this campaign. Okay. And so you can't... I that I don't. I have to see the documentary. You yep. Okay. You're right. So basically, he purposely, he purposely pitched up his black side more than, than what he felt he was. And, okay. and I'm sure a PR person came to him and said, this is what we're going to do. Oh. I still say, if he wants to change his mind and say he's Kerblazian, he has the right to say whatever he wants. <laughs> I never said he I might crazy. be Kablazian. Shit, sure, I might. Well, you're not. <laughs> Last week you were white. Right. <laughs> but I never said he didn't have the right to say that. What I said was he didn't have the right to market himself. I agree with you on that. That's the black that, that portion I didn't know that he intended intentionally marked himself to be the black. If if that's the case, then you're absolutely right. That part that I wasn't aware of. All right, you we gotta move on. We gotta move on. Then we could probably talk about this for another 15, 20 minutes. <laughs> Shenanigans. All right, guys, we're gonna get to our game. So let me make sure it's working. All right, let's get to it. It already started without me. All right. So today's game show is Guess the Song. After last show's struggle, I figured we'd try something a little bit different. <laughs> All right. So let's go with, it's going to be real simple. We're going to. So we're doing song name and artist, right? Song name or artist. Yep. Song name or artist. That's correct. All right. So we're, we're going to have seven songs. Let me, let me start it back over. Hold on. All right, so we're going to do the 90s. We have seven songs. Uh, each round, you get uh, seven songs, and we're going to go two rounds. And the first person to say the correct answer gets the point. All right? So we're all set. Here we go. Yeah. Artist. Too Unlimited? Thank you. 
to unlimited. Okay, we got two Texans. Johnny says set it first. So that's Texas is correct. Uh, All right, artist. That's a point to Gianni. Who said Texas first? Yes. No, Rob. Yes. Any other answers? Scorpion. It ain't Paul Abdul. <laughs> All right. Yes, that's correct. It is. So, Lizzie, on the last one, you. Okay, we'll come back. Hold on. Title. What about my heart? All right, Lizzie got that one correct. I think that's the other It's two for Lizzie. Title. Baby, baby. Baby, baby. Yanni said it first. Never heard that song in my life. All right, before we do it, I just want to say Lizzie did get the first one right first. So, Lizzie, you're ahead. Uh, then Robbie Rocky right behind. Johnny Storm, this might be your first one. Let's see if it's baby, baby. No, it's the moon and back. That is Lizzie Lizzie playing the lead. All right. TLC. TLC. Uh, Bobby Rock got that one. TLC. That's your second one, Robbie, right? Three to two. All right. Artists. Michael Bolton. Listen to that voice. That's Michael Bolton. Likely correct. All right, three to three. Gianni, Gianni, we had to get you in here. Artist. No mercy. No mercy. I mean, yeah. I got, Gianni said no mercy first, so. She 100% did not. Oh, did you say no mercy? I didn't even hear I you. I said two. <laughs> yeah, I we all said it. no mercy. Was it at the same time? All right. I don't know. All right, I got three, three, and one. You ready? Second round. Oh, oh unfortunately, this app doesn't have <laughs> has ads that I can't get rid of. <laughs> All right, artists. Lizzie Andrews definitely was first. <laughs> yeah, Lizzie Andrews got that definitely first. <laughs> Title. Nothing compares to you. Hold on. Nothing compares to you. Hold on. Oh. I think Robbie and Lizzie and this guy at the same time, so I'm going. Dude, I'm failing miserably. <laughs> so we got five to four. Five to four. <laughs> Artist. Oh, Ruby Rock definitely got that first. Oh, it's tied. Five to five. Oh, let's go. Artist. Wilson Phillips. Metallica. All right, next title. Bobby's in the lead. Six five. What's up? What's up? What's up? Oh, my V got it. What's up? I think it's what up. What's up? No. Techno version, though. That's what threw me off. It's a techno version. Correct. <laughs> What's up? Buddy. All right. You just got to picture He Man when you hear it. Got to catch up. Radiohead. 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 How do you know so much, Rob? 
before we move. He's a music connoisseur. A lot of times the music starts playing and Neo is still talking. And so that puts, <laughs> no, that puts the three of us at a disadvantage. All three of us. Just going to put that out there. All right, I will stop talking. Is that Radiohead? All right. And we got one more. I think you already won. Yeah, you're right. You did already win. Let's do it anyway. Title. Corn, corn, corn. Good morning, back. Okay. Robbie, Robbie takes it. Three in a row. He ended up with a run. Three in a row. Good job, Robbie. Good job, Rob. Killed it. Look at you, buddy. Hell yeah. <laughs> All right, let's get in some shout-outs before we close it out. All right, Johnny Storm, shout-outs. Um, Shout-out to all of the creative people and artists or great ideal people because we are going to be having a, a new what is it called? Contest. We're having a new contest called the TLS Creatives Contest. It's for our first ever t-shirt. Um, so we're going to be speaking more about it this Sunday, but just shout out to everybody who is in the creative field. Be on the lookout for that. By the way, Mike Winner says he beat all of us. He got them all right. All that congratulated you, Robbie. All right, Robbie, any shout outs? <laughs> Shout out to mom. Thanks. Your boy won. <laughs> Your the boy. piano lesson paid off, mom. <laughs> <laughs> the piano lesson. With a little help from Neo. Oh, yeah, you know, you know, gotta help. Neo is my muse. Shout out to Jose behind the scenes, always supportive. Uh, shout out to um, actually all of my coworkers who are just sitting by idly and waiting for us to negotiate a good collective agreement. It's uh, things are moving in the right direction and hopefully we'll be there soon. All right, Lizzie Enders, shout out. Derek Winter, shout out to Daria Winter. If she's still watching, she is um, Mike Winter's mom, but she's also my coworker and mentor at Howard University. Classes start next week. My students are already emailing me. I'm about to lose my mind. So Daria, let's try to enjoy this final week. <laughs> Before classes start, shout out. All right. So I've got a sad shout out. Um, the last week I mentioned uh, Angel McGrath. It was her birthday. Uh, good friend, uh, sister, and, and one of my, a sister of one of my best friends. Um, she actually passed away. Uh, she passed away from oh, pulmonary embolism um, right after her birthday. So um, that all goes to her. Um, thoughts and prayers to the family as well. So Definitely. Guys. All, right. So, all right, that's it for our shout out. All right, so that's all the time we have today. I'd like to thank all of you guys for joining us. We hope that maybe you learned something, gained a new perspective, or even got some things off your chest. Please don't forget, we need your support to keep this going. Like, follow, and subscribe at TLS Live Show. And if you missed any of today's episodes, check out our clips online on YouTube or Facebook. And don't forget to subscribe to the audio replay of the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google, Alexa. Just search Truth Lies Shenanigans. I had a fun time. I hope you did too. 
Our next show is Sunday at 4 p.m. Eastern time. Please don't miss it. Uh, and our winner is Robbie Rock. So he's going to close us out for the night. Robbie Rock. I just, I, I just saw my mom say, good job, Rib. So I'm going to use my shout out to my final thought to call it mom. Who's Rib? Who, who is this Rib guy? <laughs> rib guy. You have a sandwich name after you, the McRib. The McRib. The Rib. Ribby yeah. Rock. We're going to call you Ribby Rock. Ribby Rock. <laughs> Ribby Rock. <laughs> All right, guys. Ribby Have Rock. a good night. We'll see you guys on Sunday. <laughs>